1: Now yesterday we heard from Cork Mara Jane Dennehy who outlined what happened last week to her 15-month-old baby Charlie when he was bitten by a noble false widow spider. Sarah Jane spoke about the help she got from NUI Galway who had been studying this spider and its effects on our ecology. So to share information with us, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Dr John Dunbar of NUI Galway's Rhine Institution. Good morning to you, John. Good morning. Uh, You're very welcome to the programme. I suppose start at the beginning. What do we know about this noble false widow spider and how it ended up in this country?
2: Well, the noble false widow spider was recorded here in Ireland back in 1998. And it was in uh, Bray County, Wicklow. And before that there was no sign of the, the spider in Ireland at all. Uh, no recordings and then we carried out a study in 2017 and we found that they're quite widespread across uh, east coastal counties and even in in general across uh, 16 counties in Ireland. And since then we've documented them in in, uh, another few counties. And what we know is that they are closely related to black widows and they do uh, possess a potent neurotoxin um it, that is <clears throat> specifically uh targets the nervous system of vertebrates uh this is effective for the spiders because sometimes in the wild they would prey on little lizards and so on uh but when they bite people uh this can have an effect which could cause uh, extreme pain uh, or in some cases uh, a little bit more severe symptoms uh cramping um it can make you feel like you have flu-like symptoms um, and so on. It can cause a little uh, mild necrosis as well. Uh, but the spider can also uh, uh, kind of uh, vector bacterial infections as well. So it's uh, something that we're not typically used to in Ireland where we have a spider that can actually uh, uh, cause some symptoms like this. Uh, people don't usually complain of being, about being bitten yeah, by spiders Yeah, gen-
1: generally speaking, spiders don't bite, do they?
2: No, um, so the, the spider itself uh, is generally uh, a shy spider. It shies away from people. It's not an aggressive species. Um, but but occasionally it gets itself caught up in our clothing, in our bedsheets. And uh, w- when feel threatened, like when it's trapped, uh, it's slightly squashed or whatever, it, it'll give a nip.
1: Yeah, and that's what happened in the case of baby Charlie. It was in his trouser leg and uh, obviously yes, then he, yeah. he was he was wiggling um, around. Somebody wants to know, can it cause anaphylactic shock?
2: Um, actually, uh, spider venom in general is not typically known for causing uh, anaphylaxis. So uh, it's something that we regularly hear uh, that uh, the false of spider venom is only dangerous if you're allergic. Uh, but typically spiders are not Especially known for causing allergic reactions, uh, the symptoms of the false widow bite is from the venom. Uh, it, of course, everything you go you go out. Uh, the cold air you're going to have an immune response to that. Um, our skin is our first barrier, our first uh, immune response to the environment. So everything w- will you know affect the immune system. But in this case, the, the effects uh will be mildly from the immune system but uh, more so from the actual effects of the venom uh, as i said like it has a potent neurotoxin that can affect uh vertebrates especially humans
1: so if you get bitten by one it it feels a little bit like a uh, like a, a bee sting or a wasp sting is it
2: yeah so the the, the pain can be kind of ranging from mild to in in, in some cases quite severe we've had people who were hospitalized put on morphine all sorts of things uh, for, from just the debilitating pain that this venom can cause. Uh, we've had people experience body tremors uh, because again it's it's a potent neurotoxin. It is basically in small vertebrates it cause, it's a neuromuscular paralysis. Uh, so you know it, it can cause a range of symptoms and it's not not every person will experience all the symptoms. Uh, but when you start to gather, enough case reports you start to kind of get a better idea of the type of symptoms that that they can evolve.
1: So lots of people out saying uh, ask John what is the advice if you are bitten by one what should you do?
2: In general uh, if you're bitten just keep an eye on the the symptoms Um, you should expect pain and you should expect some redness swelling perhaps uh, some cases itchiness uh, goosebumps Um, but Usually, the, the symptoms will reside after a number of hours, possibly a day or two. Uh, but keep an eye on them. If they persist or if they escalate, uh, certainly see your GP. If you're very concerned, uh, there's no no uh, harm going to A&E. Uh, but I wouldn't rush out panicking, uh, mm. you know, if you, if you feel you got stung. Because you get people who they think they were bitten by something and probably were bitten by something, uh, but immediately attributed to a spider bite. And quite often, you know, we might go to a chemist or their GP with a red mark and, and, you know, sometimes it's diagnosed as a fault with a spider bite. And generally speaking, most of the time it wouldn't be. It could be an insect. Uh, typically, if you, you you would see the spider or if you'd roll over, crushed it you're asleep, the spider remains would still be there, you know, and that, that would be considered a confirmed spider bite. But there's no, like, we, we should be... Uh, Alert about it because um, it's new. And as I said, uh, you know, when you get stung by a bee, there's uh, pain inducers. uh, But when you're the pain that's caused by the false willow bite is a different uh, toxin, it's a neurotoxin. So we need to keep an eye on that. But um, it doesn't mean we all have to be alarmed about it. When you are stung by bees and wasps, you can go onto the internet, you can go into your local chemist. There is plenty of information about it and all we're trying to do is to provide that information so that people can be reassured about what to expect okay. uh, but we still need to be vigilant because it's still very new and we we still don't know the full uh capability of, of the species
1: okay lucy wants to know should you apply something like an anti-itch cream or maybe calamine lotion would that help
2: uh you you could yeah it's, it's no harm with that generally yeah. um ask your your uh gp if you, you know about applying you know some uh, you know even taking antihistamines some people do uh antibacterial give it a give it a wipe with an antibacterial uh, wipe uh wash the general area just keep it clean um yeah it, it generally it, it, in most cases it's just a case of pain management
1: okay how would you identify a false a noble false widow
2: it, t- typically uh they're very small uh, they're kind of like marble size maybe size of uh, a, a, Small grape or something. They're not as big as some of the big spiders that we actually have in Ireland. Um, they're typically uh, bulbous. They've got a big, dark kind of coloration, uh, bulbous abdomen, and one of the distinctive characters is a cream stripe running across the, the front of the abdomen. In some some cases, especially with uh, younger specimens or male specimens, you will see a very bright. Um, intricate pattern on the the top of the abdomen. In some cases it resembles a skull, uh, but very dark, uh, sorry, uh, very mature females typically go very dark and you don't really see a pattern on them except for that cream pattern. And that's typically one of the the many reasons why they're called uh, false widows, because they resemble black widows when when they become very dark.
1: And are they related to the black widow?
2: Yes, they're very closely related to the black widows. uh, we carried out a study also on the, the venom composition, and we found that they actually have up to seventy percent of the same toxins in, in the venom repertoire as true black widows.
1: But a black widow is much more dangerous, isn't it? A bite from a black widow.
2: Um, I well, th- th- there's misconception there as well because, like, in many parts of the world, the true black widows are actually your typical garden spider you know uh, people all around the world live with black widows you know in in Europe southern Europe r- right across the Middle East uh, Africa Australia North America South America and the you know most people the thousands of people are bitten every year and probably 60 to 70% of them wouldn't even need to go to a GP the effects are so mild and only a, a certain amount then are the symptoms a bit more severe, and very rarely do do people uh, uh, die from a black widow bite. Oh,
1: okay, that's In the case that's...
2: of the false widow, we we've only really documented. Now there are many bites and genuine bites out there, but we've only actually documented up to twenty four of these in the medical literature. And you know, within this, we're already seeing. Uh, a very similar pattern where we have mostly mild uh, symptoms. But we do see, you know, some of them getting a little bit more serious. So that's why we need to be more kind of vigilant.
1: And and because this particular spider is so good at killing its uh, opponents, do you expect that we're going to see a lot more of them in this country?
2: I think so. uh, Without shocking you too much, at the moment we're already talking about millions Oh. Uh, they're, 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 they're very very well established. Uh, I won't say there's no chance of getting rid of them but I think there's no chance of getting rid of them completely. Uh, what we need to do is just uh, monitor them and learn as much about them as we can and it, it seems you know right across the UK because they, they were first recorded in the UK back in 1879 Uh, But it's only since around the 1990s that they've really just taken off and expanded their their range and their their population density. And this is uh, when we noticed them in Ireland as well and across Europe, uh, North America, South America. They are really, you know, expanding into areas and and becoming quite dominant. Um, We don't know to what extent they're going to continue uh but i think they're here for the long haul and it's something that we we, we will get used to
1: and if it does become uh, dominant what are the dangers from this spider to our natural habitats and and our ecology systems
2: and uh, well what well, this is is, is in, in a way unprecedented because we we really don't know and that's why we're we're pushing this research we, we the lab has spent over a half a decade researching this and if you put it into a global context like spiders in general are very important because they consume uh, between four and eight hundred million tons of prey each year. and they're they're very important to our ecosystem. they They keep uh, pests like mosquitoes and house flies, you know, uh, animals that uh, bugs that pass on diseases and so on. And they keep all these uh, critters in check and they're very important to the to the ecosystem, and we really don't want to be messing with that. Um, but at the moment, it's unprecedented. We, we don't know and th- that's why it's important that we continue the research uh, so that we're, we're prepared because uh, there are other spiders that have come into Ireland over the years uh, and they've they've established, but they're nowhere near as abundant as these and they're certainly not implicated in uh, biting people and, and so and putting people into the emergency services. There, in fact we, we have actually two other false widow spider species. Uh, present in Ireland since the 1800s and the early early 1900s, but they're they're, they're nowhere near as ab- abundant.
1: Okay, and just finally, the, the name fascinates me. Noble false widow. Where where did that come from?
2: Yeah, so, so the, the noble false widow, uh, the the name is Diatoda nobilis. Uh, it's Latin for noble, and the in general, the the genus Diatoda. Uh, is related to the genus Latrodectus, and Latrodectus is the true black widows. Oh, and so, in, in in habitats around the world, where, where where false widows, different false widow species occur. There's over 120 species of false widows, and the they a lot of them occur in the same habitat as true black widows. So they're, they're not only just closely related, uh, they don't only, only just look like each other, but they also live in the same habitat. So it becomes a distinction for, for locals um, between, although that's not a black widow uh, because it doesn't have the red hourglass or has this markings. That's actually the false black widow. And that's where, where these Before, common yeah, names
1: come from. from. OK, all right. It's, it really is fasc- fascinating. And I, I'm wondering, John, have you always been fascinated by spiders?
2: Um, I I would have always been fascinated from 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 a kid. You know, uh, me, yeah. myself, and my brother were always you know dropping things on the webs and watching them you know come out. I did <laughs> develop uh, in my younger years a real fear of them as well. It was a few incidents where uh, they ran out on the web and gave me a fright. I think I I left my shoes for a summer underneath the bed as a kid and I pulled them out and there was a little spider in it. And it gave me the fright of my life. It was a few reasons (laughs) like that. And it set me off on a trajectory of fear for a number of years. And actually, when I started doing this research, it it really helped because at the time of starting this research, if a big spider ran across the floor, I was on the couch asking my (laughs) wife to to catch it and put it out. Uh, But now I've I've, uh, managed to step up and, you know, after looking at thousands of these under the microscope. (laughs) You're
1: braver and you are just a mine of information. It was a real pleasure talking to you, John. Thank you for that. And uh, thank you very uh, much. Thanks uh, for joining us this morning. That is Dr. John Dunbar of NUI Galway's Ryan Institute.
0: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinns.